0: Hi, I'm Kamalini Roy, a Growth Acceleration Coach for Entrepreneurs. I'm on a mission to help thousands of entrepreneurs achieve their most ambitious goal, create massive wealth, but more importantly, live a life of fulfillment. Welcome to my Successful Entrepreneurs Podcast. This podcast will bring to you many simple success stories, success tips from successful entrepreneurs. And here we will discuss ways to become successful, which you as an entrepreneur and as a leader can implement quite easily. And if this is what you would like to hear to make your business profitable through simple ways, then go ahead and subscribe to this podcast so that you can stay tuned in for all the success talks given by successful entrepreneurs. And please do remember to bring your journal and pen to take down notes. I promise you, there will be lots and lots of notes to take. So here we go. Let's start. So today I have with me a serial entrepreneur, Emron Samuel. He runs three businesses, mainly in the space of education, as well as in investing in real estate, both in India and abroad. His three businesses are Learning Curve, Uniaco, and Adventum. But Emron was a corporate honcho before this. For 22 years, he's been in the corporate world. And then he decided to become an entrepreneur 10 years back. Let's bring Emron in and see what he has to say. Emron, thank you very much for accepting my invite. I'm so excited to have you on this show. Same here, same here, Imran, we've known each other for more than two decades and I'd like our listeners to know that you were my boss for a decade and what a wonderful experience I've had with you as well as our entire team has had with you. And the reason why I wanted you to come on my chat is you did something beautiful with our team as a country head for sales. And you knew exactly what the pulse of the team was. You knew how to make the team perform. So as a sales country head, I am going to ask you what your secret traits are to ensure a winning sales team. And before we start, Emron, if you could share your story. You've been so successful uh, in the corporate world. You're a chartered accountant. You've worked with the biggest names with ANZ, with JM, with Standard Chartered. What made you change your mind and become an entrepreneur a decade back? What was your purpose? What was your drive? Um, What made you decide to leave such a heavy salary? And take the risk.
1: Firstly, <laughs> thank you very much for uh, for having me on your show. And uh, it's a pleasure to, to always catch up with you. Uh, so I think, I think yes, uh, I, I did JF Financial Investment Banking and then ANZ Ringlay's Treasury. And then, as as you already know, we were three of us who, who moved from ANZ Ringlay's Bank to set up the mutual fund. Which was earlier the ends of English mutual fund and then Standard Chartered mutual fund, uh, which we which we nurtured for about nine odd years and then the bank wanted to sell it, which we ultimately sold to IDFC. So the current IDFC mutual fund is the baby that we gave birth to, nurtured it and then when the bank wanted to sell it, we sold it uh, to IDFC. Uh, I think I, think I uh, the kind of time I had uh, at Standard Chartered and uh, uh, the entire team, as you as you rightly said. Uh, I thought that I could not get a better team than what I had. Uh, Also, I think I I turned about forty, and I thought if I wanted to become, I always wanted to become an entrepreneur. Uh, Maybe the Jewish blood in me never allowed me uh, to to work for someone else. So it was probably uh, trying to get me out of the the service uh, uh, segment, so to say. Uh, So I think I think I wanted to become an entrepreneur. Without there's always a right time uh, financial. Independence is one of them and and, uh, uh, I think at 40, I thought I was there about. You can never be sure about uh, what your financial independence is and where you reach it or when you reach it. But uh, I thought I was there and I wanted to become an entrepreneur for many, many years. I thought it's not at 40, then when? And uh, I feel it was just the right time. I've been asked this question many times. Do you think you were... Late? Do you think you should have retired at 35? Do you think you should have done it at 50? I think I think it was the right time, and I have absolutely no regrets of uh, of doing what I've done, and uh, have had a wonderful journey. Now being an entrepreneur, uh, and and very very happy with with what I've been doing. And uh, the most important thing uh, in the last 10 years is what I've done is I work at my own pace. You know, every day morning I get up and I, I I think. Uh, what I want to do, I'm free to think what I want to do. Uh, In an organization, I think you're a little kind of, uh, you know, focused in a manner the organization in a certain way way wants you to think. Here, I don't need to do that. And uh, the freedom is the biggest thing that I think I've achieved uh, uh, in these last 10 years.
0: Yes. I think all uh, entrepreneurs get drawn by the freedom, the freedom of making choices, of taking decisions, of being able to uh, build something that they can in their own way. So yes, I understand what you're saying. Emron, I want to uh, take you back to the stint uh, of 10 years that you had as a country head for sales in uh, ANZ mutual fund, as well as in standard chartered mutual fund. And I'll start right at the beginning. What did you look for when you were hiring a sales Person, what what exactly
1: were you looking for? See, I always thought sales had no rocket science in it, but the person that we were looking for should have the right attitude and fire in the belly. I think those were the only two things that we looked at when looking for. And and I think I think honesty. I think I think if I thought the guy was he or she was honest uh, on the job and we got that feeling from him or her in that one hour that we interviewed uh, that person. Uh, And and with whatever little background, if we could know of him or her, we could do it. Uh, We wanted honesty, the right attitude and fire in the belly. Uh, I in my life have never referred or called a person that the candidate has told me to call. Because the candidate would always put down the two best references who would never say anything bad about him. Or her, mm-hmm. I always called people that I knew in the organization from he, where he or she came. So I think I think the secret also lied there. Okay, um, and uh, I think I think yeah. I looked at I looked at people who are who are you know very enthusiastic about working, who who wanted to do well, who you know in the in the interview you could make out are not artificial. A little bit that I also looked at was will really he able to do this because in we and ran a very thin team, will he or she be able to do it on her or his own? Because if you remember, you yourself was a one-man RB, a one-woman RB in Calcutta. Uh, so we also wanted a little bit of that kind of thinking and hence a little bit of entrepreneurship kind of a understanding in that person. So to conclude, honesty, right attitude, far in the valley and a little bit of kind of entrepreneurship that he or she would want to or or had in her and probably didn't know and somewhere we could pick that up and he or she could do extremely well and I think that's exactly why we were extremely successful.
0: You know, Emron, what I noted and it's very important for entrepreneurs to understand this, that all the traits that you were looking for when you were hiring somebody were behavioral traits. You spoke about honesty, you spoke about attitude, right attitude. You spoke about fire in the belly, openness, and this entire wish to want to uh, function on your own independently with a few entrepreneurial traits as well. And the team you had recruited was very young. So I, this is a very important point that you made that when you are recruiting somebody, I guess skill sets are something that you can ensure the person gets Once the person is hired, but attitude is something you need to look at when you're hiring somebody. And I made a note of that, Emron. uh, You know, as a team, one thing I remember that y'all did, and y'all did it beautifully, is you created a team where everybody supported each other. We had very little, um, you know, competition or rather unhealthy competition. We we never spoke against each other. We never bitched about our boss, if I may say so. It was a very friendly team where everybody was supporting each other. And this can only happen when the workplace has the right environment. What I'd like to know from you, Imran, is what is that culture in the sales team that you created? What was the culture that you uh, instilled in the sales team? And how did you manage to get a team where, you know, the team worked so well, cohesively helping each other along the way?
1: I think I have seen uh, a few bosses in my life. I have seen other other bosses around me. A lot of people are insecure in their lives. Okay, about their so so if a boss is insecure, he will never give freedom to people in his team because he is worried that one of the better guys in his team may may kind of overthrow him, you know, or, or become the boss or whatever it is. So. So a lot of times that actually kills the entire uh, you know, the the entire feel good of the team or the morale, you know. So, so if, if I was very insecure, I would never want my my regional heads or zonal heads or city heads or others to, you know, come up in line. I would always show them down, so to say, because I wanted to look good. I think I, think I, I never had the insecurity, okay? One. Secondly, I think the entire team, the sales team, was hired by me. So, so there were people who who had that, you know, uh, connection from day one, so to say, where that, you know, we were hired by by Emron. So, uh, there was some kind of a connection that went through. Secondly, I think the biggest thing that a lot of organizations have and that we did have was politics. And I don't know whether you guys remember, but I used to say that if you guys want... Uh, politics here you better join some political party and and not standard charter so i think i think we killed it there and a lot of things in life if you say it upfront clear without any, any ambiguity people take it the way it is and see human beings are very flexible so you you try to be political they'll also be political you try not to be political and you are very very clear on what you are, they will be and see some of them would have been but maybe you killed it in the in the first instance saying that this will not so people never uh, tried that some of them who probably didn't like it left us and went away for well enough you know so i think i think the insecurity part and to ensure that the political uh, there was no bickering uh, other thing was that there was a little bit of healthy competition and i always believed that was LD. but yes there was no cutthroat competition so you know If there were two people in Calcutta, which you guys were, no one tried to under, uh, uh, you know, kind of, uh, other guy. Secondly, if you remember, we broke the market in such a manner that you guys were not stepping on each other's toes. Okay. So I think it was a combination of that comfort, uh, letting that person feel comfortable and not insecure. And both of them, managing both of them, you know, fairly well, again, Different individuals are built differently. So also to manage them, one is maybe more emotional, the other one is not very emotional. So you also have to manage those things uh, very well. But yes, I think finally what boiled down the entire thing was to the numbers and targets. So at the end, your reviews were done on numbers and targets. But the entire journey that you went through with the team uh, was similar to both those guys in that particular market. So to you an example and and what i also believe that respect is earned so respect cannot be demanded respect is always earned so over a period i think i think uh, whether it was you know nawal rajiv and myself we came there as a helping hand to you guys so wherever you thought uh you could break in, or you had difficulty in breaking in. Whether it was distributors, whether it was corporates, or whether it was you know whatever IFA is, we stepped in to see if we could help you with our heavier calling card, maybe better you know a little bit more knowledge because from the background that we came in, maybe a different way of explaining. Not that all the time we were also successful, but let's say you had five difficult clients and we could convert three of them. I think that's how respect. Uh, was earned, so to say. And then, of course, you keep on doing that. And we never ran away from uh, uh, any responsibility. And we took up saying, if we failed, we all failed as a team. We did not put it on the team saying that you guys failed. Okay, So, does it collect? so success was uh, 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 by the team, failure was by the team. It was not success is mine and failure is yours. So I think those are kind of things that worked in our favor.
0: Yes, Imran, I, I remember as a team, we used to always look at the leadership team, which was uh, you, um, the country head uh, for sales, the investment head, as well as the managing director and CEO. We always looked at you all as our backbone and support. We never really looked at you all as bosses who were sizing us up to review us and rate us on our performance. So, And I remember for any distributor who we could not break, We would turn to you all and ask for help and say can you please come down to the market and you know make an entry and convert this uh, distributor convert this client for us corporate client for us the other thing i remember emron is y'all would pick up people from all walks of life so when i joined you in the sales team i had very little knowledge of financial services i didn't even know i had selling skills honestly i didn't know that i didn't know i was a salesperson but you all through a process of training and through a process of upskilling us in our journey, ensured that we were very, very good at our jobs and we were competent to the extent that, uh, you know, the standard chartered mutual fund team uh, in the early 2000 was regarded as one of the best sales teams that the mutual fund industry could ever have. And people still speak about it. Emran, what were the processes that you all followed? Because I believe in any company training, upskilling, ensuring that, you know, people are competent is very, very important and it's a continuous process, which is why related to that, you didn't speak about skill sets when you're hiring young people with three to four years experience because you all knew that you all would give that training. Can you speak a little little about uh, how you upskilled and trained and what was the calendar? What was the plan behind it?
1: I think there I must say that, you know, standard chartered earlier A&S and then standard chartered. Uh, And I think, I think, that is very true with uh, uh, most of the foreign banks had a very robust uh, training process you know and and uh, uh, they would actually train you from you know soft skills to to your hard skills so to say where and, and as a salesperson we realized your your biggest ammunition was product knowledge okay if you if you knew your product well I think I think no one could shake you or push you away. And if you remember, we used to say that every day morning when you call up your customer, you can't be begging him for money. It will sound as begging. I mean, only for money. You should see he knows why you're calling, right? A customer doesn't need to be told why you're calling. He knows why you're calling, but you don't need to be very upfront about it. So, If you can add value to him every morning by by giving him some, some knowledge about the market, it can be equity market. It can be debt market. It can be Forex. It can be government of India securities, whatever I'm saying. What I mean, mean is, if you can, if you can add to his knowledge, okay. You may tell him five things, he will be aware of three or four things, but if you can even add that one more thing. And if you could, you know, really feel that, Oh, so, so this person, rather than calling me up in the morning and asking only for money, is actually trying to add value to me is that is how you could get his share of mind and share of wallet. So, I feel I feel uh, apart from soft skills, which is, you know, uh, which is your typical, uh, you know, meat, breed, grooming and all that you guys uh, used to go through. Uh, my feeling is the product knowledge was very, very important. Uh, I must credit Standard Chartered HR for getting us through. I don't know whether you remember, but all all of us, including you know, the last guy on the sales team, had to go through a, a training program called Be a Talented Manager. Yes. Again, okay, you guys, someone went to Singapore, someone went, to Dubai, some went, I to, went Island, to Dubai, someone went to yes. Dubai. Exactly. And and I don't know whether you remember, but you and I also went to, to Sydney, Sydney with yes. uh, with with some of the other guys for training yes. to yes. I think the Sydney International Finance uh, School. So I think. Those kind of practical trainings, we also went to a lot of I trainings, if I remember. Yes. yes. Uh, those skill sets were also on how to be a good leader, how to be a good salesperson, how could you communicate, how could you communicate better because I remember some of the trainings were communication uh, skill trainings. So I think I think that entire training process was very, very important. But yes, I still feel the number one training, which is the product training by which you are. Good, you had a good understanding of what you were selling, made you more confident also about selling, because you know if you were asked questions and if you kept on saying I'll come back, I'll come back, I'll come back, you don't you lose confident confidence, and you don't look very very good in front of the client. So I think I think we ensured that you guys had enough ammunition to manage any client on any question that you would ask.
0: That's right. Yeah, I'm Ron, and I really like this point that you made that for a salesperson, what is extremely important is to add value to the client. Otherwise, how will you engage your client? How will you differentiate yourself from other me-too products in the market? And that is something I think uh, the senior leadership team ensured that the sales team was constantly being fed with trainings. In fact, every Monday, we used to have a morning uh, training call. Fed right. with our trainings to add value to the customers who we speak to. And honestly, our customers used to look forward to us coming because they knew they would gain something when we sat across the table. And you're right. right. The salespeople were not taught to beg. They were just taught to add value. So the footing with the customer was equal. It wasn't, I'm asking you for something. It was the sales team. Right. I've come here to give you something, to give you my knowledge so that you can do your work with it. So, yes, I love that approach. Emron, um, another beautiful thing that you did as a uh, sales country head was you managed to retain your team for that entire 10 years. I think the retention, uh, the attrition would have been less than 2%. And uh, your team was always motivated, charged. You retained your best talent. And everybody knew that no matter what salary you threw at the sales team, uh, at the standard chartered sales team, which you headed you could not pull a salesperson from the standard charted sales team, no matter what the salary was. How did you manage to do that? What was that individual relationship? What was that team relationship that you had with the sales team to ensure that the full team was there for 10 long years till eventually, of course, the company got sold itself. So if you could share a little bit of light on how you manage yeah. your sales team. So, so people
1: did try to poach uh, many of us, uh, including myself and you and others, there were many people who were ready to pay, probably much more than what we uh, earned, and uh, there were some people in the team who also got a little uh, shaken by those uh, offers and did also come to me and you know uh, spoke spoke to me about it. Uh, so I sat them down, or I used to sit them down and say that you know what is the reason you are going? If it is only for money, I have absolutely no argument against you, and you, you should leave because it's only for money. But please understand what you have here, what are the comforts that you have here. See the kind of, uh, you know, uh, the kind of support you have. So I think, I think please understand money can only buy things, but can it give you that satisfaction? You don't know. That you will only have to experience. Okay. So, so wherever he or she was going, okay. First of all, just to answer the first part of the question, I will want to say that I think, I think, the same thing that people were not feeling insecure. People actually felt secure in the organization. Uh, People, we were always above average on the salary. We may not have been the number one payers, but we were above average on the salary and incentives. Uh, People were comfortable. I don't know whether you guys remember, but you all had marketing budgets, which you guys could spend in your cities. No questions asked. So in a manner you had enough and more freedom. So, along with the responsibility, you also had that freedom and and you were, in a manner, semi-entrepreneurs. So, if you see after 2010, it's not only me who has become an entrepreneur. There's a whole lot of people from that team which has become an entrepreneur. So, I'm extremely proud of of all of you uh, who have have technically become entrepreneurs. So, somewhere that, that managing my own city, managing my own targets, managing my own budgets has helped each one of us to become that entrepreneur that we were seeking to. So I think it was the comfort and the confidence that we gave into these people that people probably stayed back rather than going elsewhere. Secondly, wherever people got the offer from, people then started comparing those teams. See, it's a small world. It's a small financial yeah. world where people could talk to each other. So they would talk to some of their colleagues or batchmates or friends saying, what's How is it? So, Yes, you may you may have got a few lakhs more, but if it came at a at a price which they were not comfortable at, then obviously uh, people were not comfortable going. So I think I think it is a matter of how you handle people, the respect that you got. Like I don't know, but I I heard that some of the organisations would be very very would 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 very badly treat people. Yeah, why would someone want to go for a few lakhs to be badly treated by a boss who would probably not talk to you or use, you know, bad language or, uh, would, you know, uh, would use it literally to hurt you and right. not, you know, over a drink. But point I'm trying to make, so, so all these things never remained inside, right? People knew about it. So I think for a few lakhs, people would not go. I think trust, confident, responsibility, freedom that you gave to the team was was the reason why people stayed back? See, and and if you ask me, and I keep on telling my wife also, that the most, the, the happiest thing for me today is that most of the people who I've worked with in Standard Chartered Mutual Fund are in touch with me even today. Okay. What it says is that that they they still respect you, right? And and it, it's reciprocal, I'm saying it's, it's both ways. So if that was not the case, you would not be in touch Some of the bosses that, that you work in life, you don't want to even be in touch with them on WhatsApp. Right. Okay.
0: Yes, Emron, and you know, this is a takeaway for entrepreneurs, because the constant complaint of all entrepreneurs is that people leave them for salary. And in my experience of 20 years of working, I don't believe salary is what, the only thing that holds people back. And what you said, investing in relationships, For you, it was important for you to invest in the relationship that you had with your team members, your subordinates, also as much as it was important for you to handle relationship with your customers. While you were a hard boss on one side, on the other side, the team trusted you so much that I remember that whenever the team was in personal trouble, the first person they would call is you. So that trust, that confidence they had in you and for you as a, you know, as a leader to be able to ensure that you get all that from your team, I think that was one of the reasons uh, why the team stayed with you for so long. And thank you very much, Emron, I'm sure listening to what you said, and today you're an entrepreneur, you're carrying out, uh, you know, you're in uh, the way you've engaged with your team, I'm sure you're carrying it out with your current team, and they must be all very lucky to have you as uh, somebody leading the team. As an entrepreneur, you've become so successful, maybe for the same reasons because your value systems of course remain the same and what you've said today is very very valuable for all the listeners, for all the leaders, for all the entrepreneurs. So thank you very much for it.
1: Thank you very much Kamalini, and all the best to you too. Thank you.
0: If you would like to be a successful entrepreneur, then I would like to invite you to join my community. Contact me through my website under the name of Komalini Roy that is K-A-M-A-L-I-N-I-R-O-Y dot com. Kamalini Roy, I will repeat that for you. K-A-M-A-L-I-N-I-R-O-Y dot com. You can also choose to continue learning for free through all the valuable content I put out in my YouTube channel under my name, Kamalini Roy. If you have enjoyed my podcast, please do put out a review on Apple Podcasts. I look forward to personally reading your comments and reviews. I would also like to invite you to share your questions and challenges with me so that I can address them and help you with solutions through my podcast and YouTube channel. Thank you for listening to Successful Entrepreneurs Podcast by Kamalini Roy. Just hit that
1: subscribe button and see you at my next episode.